0: Why don't you stand up, grab your Bible, and stand up with me, okay? You stand up, I'm going to sit down. (laughs) Grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible with you... We uh, have some people who have some around. We're big about the Bible around here. We don't want to be a place that just talks about the Bible. We want to be a place that gets into it. I believe that if we don't have our eyes in the Bible during the week, we're not going to be having our eyes in the Bible or, uh, eyes on Sunday. We're not going to be having it during the week. And we just uh, believe God's Word is something really to be paid attention to. So let me, I have a question for you. What comes before Ephesians chapter 4? And what comes before Ephesians chapter 3? What about before that? And what before that? Okay, good. All right, grab a seat. Um, you're all disappointed, aren't you? <laughs> Got to get you stretching. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, we've been through now. And uh, in chapters 1 through 3, it just highlights the amazing power and the amazing work, and the amazing blessings that God brings through the good news of Jesus Christ. And I really hope, I really, really hope that in our time, you have just come to see more and more that this whole relationship with God through Jesus Christ thing is like totally rocking. I really do. Um, having gone from being separated from God because of sin, into being able to have a relationship with him, called his child, having an inheritance of eternity, and being able to be sealed by, empowered by the Spirit of God. Just the whole thing its just amazing, folks. But out of that comes responsibility. Because out of great opportunity comes great responsibility. And Paul in chapter 4 begins this transition that takes place where uh, he begins teaching us. So what, in light of 1 through 3, what does it look like to live for Christ? Because isn't that part of the big, big question now? Okay, so now what? Well, that's what Ephesians 4 and following really starts getting at. And two Sundays ago, we talked about how together starts with me in the beginning of chapters 4, verses 1 through 6. And we took a look at how the believer is not only saved, but the believer is put on God's team part of a body, part of the universal body of Christ, all the people that have come to Christ. We are part of a unit together, part of God's team. And being on that team requires a certain manner of thought and action. And it listed there, those of humility, it starts with humility. Listen, proud people don't play very well on a team. Now those that get paid 10, 20 million, a lot of them can have that, and a lot of their team members, which they wish they weren't there. In some of the conflict that goes on and we see in sports. But it starts with humility. And out of humility, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, We need to be people that are gentle. We need to be people that are patient with one another. We need to be people that are tolerating, forbearing one another. We need to be people that are united together. Why? Because we're one in body, one in spirit, one in hope, one in Lord, one in faith, one in baptism, one in God the Father, is what those passages said, those verses said. Well, That's together where it gets started with. And there is a corporate team reality, but Paul doesn't stop there. In fact, Paul begins explaining what this team is about. It's so amazing to me that of all the things, not really, but it's just intriguing to me, of all the things that Paul could have started talking about, he starts talking about how you you and I, as believers in Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, are to be part of the team and how to be on this team. And that's where we're at at this point. Because we live in a world right now, we live in a culture where it's like, fine, I'll take Jesus, but whole being with people and God's people, ah, that's a pain. It's like, listen, that's not what the scriptures talk about. We're to be together. We're to be doing this kind of stuff. And he now begins to get more detailed about the individuals on the team. Here's what's cool today. In fact, uh, today, um, go go to the next slide. Today, you'll see on there, you see it says Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. We're not doing that. I made a decision Friday night and Saturday that we're only doing 7 through 10. So we had a change, presto change And And uh, here's why. I have just been so enamored by how it's not just about being part of this big corporate body of Christ, but God is also very individualistic. And today, to me, this is so cool what we're about to get into today. I just love this, what this is. God is not just about the big thing, about his whole team, but he's about the individuals that are on the team. And uh, we're going to take a look at it. So listen, together grows into team. Together grows into team. Now at the bottom I've got there, when I joined God's team at that time and point in my life where I came to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, I joined God's team. And I was gifted at that time for God's team. We're going to be talking about that today. So I must be with God's team and actively serving God's team. So say it with me. When I... Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, let's pick up at verse 7. What's the first word? But, okay, we're going, to be, <laughs> we're going to be walking through some single words here. Now, it's important because the word but here is a transition word. Okay, in light of what was said, but there's something else that's taking place here. Something on top of this. In other words, but all this oneness, all this team stuff, all this humility and gentleness and patience and forbearing with one another as a unit for God's glory, all of this oneness is not going to be left without the individual reality of it. Okay, but, but grace... Uh, A God grace is God's self donation applied to the follower of Jesus Christ. Um, It's not God's saving grace here, but this is, I believe, I'm going to call it God's equipping grace. He's not talking about getting on the team here. He's talking about gifted on as a member of the team here. And what we're about to talk about here comes out of God's grace—something undeserved. Something that God has given you, believer, follower in Jesus Christ. And look, but grace was given. You're right now, you're thinking, no wonder we're only doing 10 verses, or through verse 10, if he's going every word. Well, we're going to pick it up. But this first verse is key here. Okay, But grace was given. Now, was is a what kind of a verb? It's a past tense. The interesting thing about this is in the Greek, it's a passive voice which means that the action of the verb being done is not action I did. It was action that was done upon me. So this grace that was given, it was something that was given, Paul is saying, to the believer. In other words, I didn't do it. It came upon me, something given to me. And it was given to each one. I love this. To each one. Now, earlier I had talked about the visitor gifts. We've got this visitor gift back out there. Did I say it's really cool stuff in it? Yeah, it does. And, uh, and in that, they're all the same. I just want for you to know. So if you're going to pick one of those up today, they're all the same. So you don't have to look through them all and see which one has the better treat in it or anything. Uh, you, they're all the same. You, you See, but those are just, God does not come, uh, what we're going to talk about, and just kind of like dole something out to everybody. You get the same bag. You get the same divine kit. From God. This is something that's to each one. To you, to you, and 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 to me. To each one, God has given something. And look at this. That's so cool because the next words, according to the measure of. In other words, God didn't give something to each one that's the same thing. Each one is different. What he gave to you is different from what he gave to you, which was different than what he gave to you, and to you, and to definitely to me. Okay? But grace was given to each one according to the measure. This grace given is measured out. It's a specific portion. It's proportioned out grace by Jesus Christ. If you've read Psalm 139, go there and read it and just look at how God is about the individual. I mean, look around this room. Like, different, everywhere. We're people, but so different. Why, Psalm 139? Because it talks about how you and I were even thought of. God formed you and I together. Just cool. Just cool. But grace was given to each one, we're talking about here, according to the measure of, a measure of who? Measure of what? Christ. It was given by Christ, and it was Christ given a gift. It's an unearned thing. It's a grace gift. It's undeserved. You don't determine it. I don't determine it. Therefore, you and I, we cannot brag about it. We cannot use it as a toy, and we cannot exalt it, because I didn't choose it. I didn't pick it. I didn't proportion it. God did. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, Doug, what is this given gift? I mean, what's being talked about here? Well, this is not, as I mentioned, this is not the gift of salvation. This is talking about something different than that. This is not a preference. It's not an inclination. It's not a natural ability or a talent. I wish I could do some of the stuff they do up here, but I just can't. I don't got it. But it's not that kind of a thing even. It's not even the fruit of the Spirit, as is talked about in Galatians. It's not given as an indication of what's one's spiritual maturity it's not something that I'm going to give to you because, you know, you're further than them. That's not what takes place in all this. Uh, it is an ability and a giftedness, a spirit giftedness that's Christ-given, Christ-measured, and individually given out. Well, what, when was it given? At the time you came to Christ. And This is really important because coming to Christ is not just about, oftentimes it comes out as like the ticket to heaven. Okay? You know, it's like the Willy Wonka ticket. You know, it's like, man, I really want to get into the chocolate factory. I really want to get into the golden street place. Uh, listen, that's a great thing. And that's part of what it is. But that's not it. That's not the only thing that's involved here. When it comes to a point when a time comes and receives Christ as their Savior, Sins are wiped out, they're justified before God, they're regenerated, the scripture talks about. They've been redeemed, they are made a child of God with an inheritance, Romans 6.23 and Ephesians 1. They are indwelled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, First 1 Corinthians 12.13. And here they are given out a measured out giftedness at that time when you come to Christ. Until that time, it's all just a bunch of God info. But at the time first John one or John one twelve, as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God. Well, why was I gifted at my salvation? Well, to serve to serve others. listen, God when I was seven years old, and I came to the point and I was standing here and there's a drinking fountain here, and there's a bathroom here <laughs> door, and I was waiting for my mom and dad to come out for some reason that morning, everything clicked. I had heard John three sixteen about 38,000 times before in my home from my parents. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, not just intellectually, but whoever places their faith in him, to them he gave the right to become... I jumped in another verse. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And at that point in time, When I said, God, all that stuff that I've now heard about and I'm understanding, I want that. I realize I'm a sinner and I receive you as my Savior. At that point in time, God measured out. God gifted that seven-year-old. And I'm just going to tell you something. I didn't see anything written on the wall about what that was all about. I didn't get like this big going And it was like an angel came before me and said, "Doug, you have the gift of being geeky. I, I don't know, what, but it, th- that's not what happened. That's just not what happened. So what's taking place? Well, th- why have this giftedness? First Peter four ten. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another." As good stewards of God's very grace. In order that in everything, God may be glory glorified through Jesus Christ. A noted pastor said this, I love this. Christians are not assembly line productions from the palette of gift colors. The Holy Spirit uses the brush, I'm sorry, from the palette of gift colors. The Holy Spirit uses the brush of his sovereign design to paint the mixture of each believer so that no two are alike. Our unique giftedness makes us irreplaceable members of the, of the body of Christ. By the way, see that little guy sitting in that hole? That's his spot. A uniquely designed piece to fit right in that spot. And With the new lights here, it's a little bit harder to see. But that's the spot for him. And it's part intended to be part of the whole team, the whole body. It's an important component. Have you ever put a puzzle together and you get down and there's like one or two pieces missing? Don't you just want to like quit? I mean, it, just, what was, it wasn't worth it. It's missing a piece. Listen, God, like all those individual pieces that all function together, to show a picture together is comprised of a whole bunch of pieces. And when one of those pieces, two of those pieces, three of those pieces are missing in that, it's missing. The whole thing is lacking. Okay, so there's gifts that have been given. What are these gifts? The big question. What is is there a list of spiritual gifts? Yes, there's four lists, actually. Romans chapter twelve is one. First Corinthians chapter twelve is another. Ephesians 4.11 talks about a couple, and 1 Peter 4.11 talks about a little bit there. Here's the unique thing. None of them have the same list. In other words, God did not come and say, here's spiritual gifts. I have gifted you, and here's the list. There's a list of, and here's the list. It's interesting in the scriptures, God doesn't give a full list. And I'm going to tell you, some people disagree on some of how then they conclude with that. Here's how I conclude with that. God didn't give a full, complete list in each one. They're each unique and different. And so in all of that, these are spiritual gifts that God has given, and yet it's also not a full summary of all of them. Is this the full, complete list of gifts? Yes, in the scriptures. But are those all of the gifts that God has? I would say I don't know for sure, but I don't think so because none of the lists are all the same. So, Doug, what other gifts are there? I'm just going to tell you this. I'm not going to play God and start naming them. I'm just not going to go there because I don't know. But God has given us a list of gifts. Are those all of them? I don't know. Listen, our daughter just took a a spiritual gift survey. She came back and had two things that they said. She was gifted for. (laughs) One was for missions, and I can understand that. She's in international studies and really has a passion for the world. Secondly, she said that she had the gift of, uh, Karen, what was that? Voluntary poverty. I'm going to tell you, I've read all four of those passages that I just named. That one wasn't in there. Now, I will tell you this. I think, as Karen and I, because we talked about that issue, I actually am wondering if Karen uh, Emily has a gift of faith, because for Emily, she'll go live anywhere; she doesn't really care, because she just knows God's going to take care of her. My daughter may grow up in poverty. Cool. And if that's the case, God has gifted her for that. But here's part of the thing of this. is, is I just here, Here's where many of you have grown up in church, this whole spiritual gifts. I'm getting to this point where it's like, well, Doug, well, what do we do? How do we know? Where do we go? Are we going to take a spiritual gifts inventory in here? Uh, they can help, but let me just make a couple other comments before I get there. The list that I named before in those four passages... Uh, contain what I would call two different categories of gifts. One is sign gifts. Those would be things like tongues, healing, apostleship, prophecy, prophecy. I would understand these gifts to have been gifts that were given to individuals at a point in God's redemptive plan of history for a purpose. To be able to confirm that these individuals were indeed from God. Listen, the time when Paul was writing, there was no New Testament. So how did some of those people be able to know that what Paul was saying was real, was really from God? Because understand this, there was a circus carnival of people traveling around saying they were from God. How do you know who's the real one? Well, God gifted people to be able to allow them to show, either by apostles. There are the 12 apostles plus Matthias, and then Paul was one too, because they had seen the risen Savior. Judas hadn't. But in that, and and then so here are these people who have these gifts that God uses. And I would understand as 1 Corinthians 12 talks about these gifts and has them in there. 1 Corinthians 13, which we usually look as the love chapter, but oftentimes forget that the chapter marker of chapter 13 doesn't separate it from the context previously. It's a continuation. In other words, in light of the fact that you are gifted, love people. Love them this way. And in fact, out of that, it says, when the perfect comes, which I understand to be this, the full, complete word of God available to us. When the perfect comes, the imperfect disappears. I'm just going to say, there's no need for you to be able, for me to be able to say, hey, watch this, I can, (laughs) you know, therefore I'm from God. I don't need to do that because it's not about me. It's about this and us being true to the word of God. And so in the giftedness part of it, there were gifts that were given that I think were temporary gifts, and good people vary on it, okay? But that's where I come from. I also understand that there are continued gifts, gifts such as pastor-teacher, which we're going to end up talking about next week, gifts of faith, gifts of evangelism, gifts of exhortation-slash-encouragement, giving, teaching, administration-slash-leadership, Uh, serving and mercy and just you know there are gifts that are for today that are put into place well how do I know what my gift is aren't you just dying for that one okay here's what we're going to do we're just going to assign (laughs) them no he doesn't know what we're going to do okay here's the thing I'm just going to say this I think it's all it's all summed up in one word I'm very serious about this Because having grown up in a church, I've heard this whole spiritual gifts thing talked about so much and people trying to, you know, what is my gift and getting all in a tither about that. Here's the thing. Serve. 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 Just serve and out of your serving, you will see how God has gifted you. It will rise to the top. And the reason I've kind of stopped here in this passage today is to kind of address some of this. Where my past has been, it's like, well, you've got to know what your gift is so that you can know how to serve. And as time's going on, I'm going, no, no, the whole objective is to serve one another, right? So whether I serve in children's ministry, by the way, nobody in here has the gift of children's ministry because you know why? There is no gift of spiritual gift of children's ministry. Nobody in here has the gift of ushering. No one in here has the gift, I'm going to say this, of music in my understanding. That's a talent. That's an ability. That's something that can be developed except for in me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in this, but it, the point is, this in children's ministry, as you serve, you will see as time goes on how you are wired to serve in kids, with kids. I'm not a connection group facilitator gift. Well, no one is. But as you are part of a small group, you will see things start showing up. You will see possibly the gift of mercy. Wherever you're around, you're just like with people, and you're just always caring for that kid who's kind of in the back corner. No one knows him. He's brand new, and he's out, and it's just like, I don't know. Maybe it's just that Sunday. Maybe it's just all the time. Here's the point. Don't get in a tither. This is the deal. By faith, I know that according to the scriptures, God has gifted you and gifted me measured out, proportionally so, just right. And every believer is gifted. I think that's just freeing. Serve. Just serve. And as you mature in Christ, what will happen is you will begin seeing how God has gifted you. Then as time goes on, don't get stingy about it. Well, I won't do that because I have the gift of faith. I'm not going to serve with kids because I have the gift of leadership. What? We could use some help with people organizing things. And so on and so forth. You know, I have to give them mercy. Love on those little boogers. Because some of them are hurting and just feel outcast and ostracized from the norm. And maybe God, in his sovereignty, has put just the right person there for that location. Your gifting will show as you serve. Because the key is serve. Well, today isn't a gifts, a spiritual gifts seminar. That's not my objective. But I want to say this number one, believer, you are divinely grace equipped. You are sovereignly grace equipped to be a player on God's team. Isn't that cool? Maybe you're sitting here today and go, I-, I never really knew that or I have no idea what how God has gifted me. That's okay. He has. And by faith, I'm to serve. And out of that serving, it'll happen. Important number 2. That means that using not using or applying your spiritual God-given giftedness would be an affront to God's wisdom. Not serving not doing. That's the kind of thing God has gifted you. And if you and I don't use that, God's like, what's with that deal? I gifted you. As I looked out over the course of your lifetime, I gave you just the right proportion, just the right thing to be able to be part of the, everything that's going to happen, and you're going to be part of my body. And what's, don't sit on the sidelines. Be a part of it. Use it. It's a rebuff of his love, and it's a loss to his church. It's just like the puzzle with the missing hole. And I don't say that because I'm the pastor here and it's my job to get you working. <laughs> that's, not what I, that's not the objective here. We're coming from the scriptures and God says, Christ has gifted you, measured out, proportioned out. With great, responsi- with great opportunity comes great responsibility out of that. When I joined God's teams, I was gifted for God's team, so I must be with God's team and actively serving God's team. I'm going to skip the video, guys, okay? And we're going to go to the verses 8 through 10, all right? Here we go. You don't know what that's about. Now you're all disappointed, aren't you? Oh, maybe next week. Okay, verses 8 through 10, because I want to cover these verses here. Well, let's cover it quickly. So let's start with 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Ah. For me, this week, that was just such a cool verse. Verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he, Christ, ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men in saying, quote, he ascended. Oh, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Okay, let's go on to the next verses. <laughs> Here's one of the problems with exegetical teaching. You have to come across passages sometimes where you look at it and you go, what? Like what in the world, ascending, descending, like what is going on here? Uh, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to summarize this up because it fits in the flow of what Paul is talking about here. Okay, here's the deal. What's this all about? And I know right now you theologian, theologian debater types, you're like, oh, I can't wait for this one. Well, I'm going to sum it up because here's the reason why. There are three views that are held on the specifics related to the statement in verse 8 of host of captives. What is the host of captives? Well, there's three different viewpoints out there. There's five different viewpoints at least that are held on the places and the activities contained within 9 and 10. The descended, ascended, is ascended to Hades, is ascended to the earth, is ascended the spirit, coming at Pentecost. What is all that? I'm just telling you this. We're not going to go there. Instead, we're going to hit the big picture of it because I think that was Paul's intent here, okay? Paul brings Psalm 68 into this, and that's really what is contained here. And He brings that into discussion to show how Jesus Christ has received the right to rule and to give out gifts because one of the responses can be is like, I don't like my gift. (laughs) Hey, it's okay. God gave it to you. Christ gave it to you, and he deserved to be the one giving it to you. That's what's being said here. Why? Why do I say that? Well, Psalm 68, it's a victory hymn. It was written by David, and it was written to celebrate God's conquest and triumphal ascent of Mount Zion with the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, back in Old Testament times. And this was a psalm written to celebrate that. Listen to me, because this is so cool. After a king won a battle in those days, he would parade before his people the spoils and the prisoners. Okay? And they would also parade the king's own soldiers that had been taken captive as prisoners. So those were oftentimes referred to as recaptured captives. Okay? That was the normal culture of the day in the Old Testament. And so... In other words, prisoners, the king, King David, had soldiers. They were in a battle. Some of them were taken as prisoners. They were prisoners over here. Then King David won the battle. They won the battle. And not only did he bring the new prisoners from the, 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 way, from the bad people, from the people he was fighting against, he would bring them and parade them and all the spoils before the people. And they go, oh, we're conquerors, kind of a thing. But he would also bring his own soldiers that had been prisoners of war and bring them before Israel and march them before all of Israel. Why? Because what was coming out of that was David was saying, I brought my captives back home. Now was that not cool about our salvation? That God triumphs his own, who have been ca- held captive. And Christ triumphs his own before him, going, I am the victor. And he's just like, Ugh! you hear all the believers, and all the angels, Ugh! and they're coming before the thing. But it doesn't stop there, because what ends up happening, is he parades them as though they're his own prisoners. But then he then gives them gifts coming out of that battle as prisoners of war. By the way, we need to do a little bit of that in our culture today with some prisoner of war people. So it depicts the triumphant, triumphant return of uh, prisoners from battle. And Paul's concern here is on the ascension part of the passage. It's the very highest exaltation. And he's emphasizing Christ's authority and the fact that Christ encompasses all times, all places, and all things, and nothing is outside his jurisdiction or excluded from the benefits and wholeness of of what he brings. In other words, this. You have been gifted, believer in Jesus Christ, by Christ himself. And the reason you have is because he is the triumphant warrior king. And he parades you before when you come to him. He parades you before his own, and then he gifts you at that point in time. So cool. I just love the imagery of that. Listen, this coming to Christ, this is no little like, oh, that's a neat thing. This is like conquering victory. Ah, good stuff. Now imagine, all that's taken place for the person who has come brought back and gifted. And What would be the thing that that person should do? serve the king and serve the king's people. What else would he want to do? He was that. But now he's this. and He's been gifted by God. Serve. Serve. Serve God's people because that's what God wants to have happen. Let's be a place that just serves God's people. And serves other people. But these are really, God's giftedness is designed for us to be serving one another. Well, let's conclude with this. What do I do from here, Doug? What do I do from here? Well, let me give you three things. One, um, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if there's never been a time in your life where you've received Christ as your Savior, that's step number one. Because you haven't been paraded, if you will, back Ephesians chapter 1 talks about, and Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. If you haven't come to Christ and received Christ as your Savior, that's step number one. Secondly, understand you have been gifted. And I want for you to walk away today going, wow, God's gifted me. Cool. <laughs> Proportionally. Measured out. Just right. Just the way he wants. i got to do something. And that leads to the third thing. Guess what that is? Serve. Just serve. Just serve. And it'll show up. Okay, there's a divine team, and the team team members have received divine enablement to be just the team player that God wants them to be. But how is that team supposed to function? Next week. Next week. Because God doesn't just say that we're part of a team, and he doesn't just say that you're gifted to be on that team. But he also tells us how we're to work together on that team. All right? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the fact that you are all about seeing your work done. You are all about uh, making it happen for your glory. And Father, I just thank you so much that uh, you have allowed us to be able to be on your team. Lord, I pray this morning, maybe there's uh, some in here who don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that they would just come and ask one of us. We'd love to talk with them. Maybe it's uh, someone who's just kind of really not thought about or hasn't been aware that they've been gifted to be able to uh, serve you in a a way that uh, is beyond their own abilities and, and how things work. And so, Lord, I pray if that's the case, that you would help them understand that. I pray you'd put a fervor in us, that we would just be fired up. You've gifted us. Let's enjoy serving you because of it. It's not because of our works. We don't come to you because of our works, and we don't live for you out of our works. But it's all by grace. God, thanks that you care about us. Thanks that you love us. And I pray that we would be a people that just serve, that just love others because of you. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in our lives this week. May we be a serving people as we uh, walk out of here fully equipped by you. In your name we pray. Amen.